Well, kia ora, my name's Sheridan. It is great to be with you this evening. Thank you, team. Nice, nice solos there, by the way, guys. That was, that was quite good. <clears throat> hey, I want us all to um, thank Mia tonight, because you can't see her. You see, Mia's out in the back room, tapping away. And I saw when, when Steve was talking before, he just talked like he knew the website was behind him on the screen. And it, I know, it changed as he spoke, and that was all Mia doing that. And she's not even in the room. So give her a big hand. We can give her a big hand because we can't see her being embarrassed. Hey, so we can. Yeah, give her a big hand. Great. Now the pressure's really on because she's got to get my stuff right. Hey, um, our theme all year has been, for a bit longer actually, has been Back to the Future. And we had that theme because job, uh, God really dropped into my, I said it again, I said it this morning, I'm going to say it now again. Um, you know, we talk about God all the time. That's a good thing. It's really good to talk about God. But I reckon we should change our language in church. And rather than just talking about God, big picture, we should, we should personalise it and talk about Father. You know, Jesus went to the cross not to connect us with God. He went to the cross to connect us with the Father. And there's something more intimate when you say Father than when you just say God. And we are living in a society and we are people that are craving for intimacy and close relationship with God. And our language actually changes everything. So I encourage you when, you, when you're praying, like, you know, it's a bit of a, I have a crisis. I'm like, I'm praying, Father, and then I go, oh my goodness, I've missed Jesus out. And then I'll pray to Jesus for a minute. Oh, I forgot the Holy Spirit. What do I do now? They, all tell you, they don't have that problem. Uh, they, don't, they don't care. They don't care. Holy Spirit moves. He's just everything about God that we connect with is the Holy Spirit. And Jesus, everything about him is to connect you with the Father. And he just wants you connected with the Father. So they don't care. So, you know, be free. And anyway, back to the future. It's all about reclaiming something of the early church DNA. Because stuff changes over the years, eh? You know, we forget some stuff. And, um, or we don't know why some stuff is like it is. But it's something of reclaiming the DNA of the, the early church. And for this last um, little while, our series has been faith. I, uh, I heard a, a Māori proverb during the week. And I really loved it. And I didn't, um, I didn't get it written down. Um, and I can't say it in today. But the essence of the proverb was, we walk into the future but we walk into the future facing backwards. And the whole idea is that we walk into the future, but we we take what's good of the past and we keep the past in mind. We keep the tension of the past um, alive and walk into the future. And I think that's something of what God wants to do at the moment because I think he wants to take us into a future that looks a bit different, but he wants us to keep the tension of the past and the good of the past as we go into the future. And it's a bit of a challenge for us. So as we go back to the future, we've been talking about faith. And um, actually today's our last uh, formal one on faith, at least. And um, I remember um, I was with Pastor Clark Taylor. He's, he's a legend in Australasia, real man of faith. And, and I had the privilege of, of sitting in his lounge. I've done it a, a couple of times now, talking with him at his home. You know, you know sometimes you hear um, things like people say, Oh, that he's a man of prayer. Now, Pastor Clark's life had some really messy bits in it. But it's really powerful testimony as well. He's a man of prayer. 
And you know how you can tell? I sat in his lounge and I said, he's got this salmon-coloured leather. I know, I can see you shaking your heads. He's 80-something, give him a break. He's got, he's got the salmon-coloured leather. Oh, it's been too much time with Tim. He's got this, he's got this salmon-coloured leather lounge suite. And where he sits and prays every day, the colour is worn completely off it. Amazing. I sat there. There's only a couple of things I can remember about my last visit, but I remember that. I thought, this guy's the real deal. When he says he prays, he prays. Because he sits here every day and he prays, and this thing just had no colour left on it. But one of the things he said to me, which I've never forgotten and found very inspiring, was this. He said, Sheridan, you don't need more faith. You need less unbelief. I thought, well, if that's all we learnt tonight, that's worth it. Hey, you don't need more faith. Faith the size of a mustard seed can move a mountain, the Bible tells us. What we need is less unbelief. And uh, faith is such a powerful thing in the Bible. Faith is a confidence that what we hope for will actually happen. It gives us assurance about things we cannot see. I, um, I've been incredibly challenged by this over the last um, month or two or even this year because, you know, we've been praying to to get onto this campus and start to be able to express ourselves as, as I know God's called us to for years and years. And at the same time as we've arrived here physically, we've just got some chaos happening in the background. It's not, um, well, it's bad, but it's not like sin or anything. It's just chaos. We've got challenges like you would not believe happening in the background. And I go, I just have to remind myself and go, well, God, you've promised Therefore, I can't afford to unbelieve that it's going to happen. I've just simply got to go, no, no, you've promised you've got us this far and you're going to take us all the way. I think that's prophetic for some people tonight, that God's going to take you all the way. You know, just because you haven't seen the fulfillment of the promise yet, he's got you this far. And that in itself is a miracle. Man, the fact I'm even standing here is a miracle. What about you? Plenty of reasons why you couldn't be, I bet. But the fact that we're standing here is a miracle. And he'll get us all the way. So tonight, like I said, we want to anoint every person who wants to be with oil. And in doing so, um, oil is a symbol of the Holy Spirit. And in doing so, we're believing for a fresh impartation of the Holy Spirit on your life. A rejuvenation of faith and a refreshing of intimacy in your relationship with him. That's the three things I'm believing for tonight. And... um, And I believe, I absolutely believe that you will leave better than you came in. You'll leave better than you came in. And I also believe with all my heart that you, if you have not already heard, you're going to hear the voice of God tonight. One way, whether it's it's a prophetic word or he just dropped something in your spirit or whatever it is. I've got faith tonight that God's going to meet you right where you are. What do you mean me, Lord? I'm not good enough for that. It's not about being good enough. It's just about listening. Just about listening. Hey, so um, I had a prophetic picture uh, when I was preparing, thinking about today, and um, I just want to unpack it for you, really. That's my artwork. I know you're overwhelmed. I can tell. Any artists out there tonight? Great. There were artists this morning. That was really intimidating. Holy water. I had, a, I had this prophetic picture and I saw a bottle that was labelled holy water just like that. And it had this murky brown 
ugly thing at the bottom of the bottle. And I was like, well, what's that, Lord? And I realised that as I was praying, it's not what you're thinking. It's a gem. It's a gemstone. And now, now I've told you, you can see it with my incredibly high quality art. I just think of Hannah Goodwin, who does all of our graphics for church. She would be absolutely ashamed right now seeing that on the screen, wouldn't she? She'd be going, Sheridan, all you had to do was ask. <laughs> and anyway, um, and, and so I saw this, this bottle of holy water, and, and what it. The, the gem was like totally just covered with dirt and grime and mud. And so the value of that gem was not recognized because you couldn't see it. It was just like this brown sort of lump at the bottom because you couldn't see it because there's no outflow and all the sediments had built up and it was just ugly. And where there's no outflow, you end up with stagnation, don't you? And where there's stag- it, it, it just there's death where it's stagnated. All the mosquitoes and stuff come around. It's horrible. So I saw that. I thought, well, that's interested. interesting. Then, can we go to the next one, Mia? Thank you. Isn't she amazing? Incredible. And... Um, and the next one, that's a sieve, if you're wondering what that is. That's a sieve, okay? I knew you could tell. I'm just helping you. Uh, so that's a sieve. And the blue, the blue's water. Yeah. Yeah, I'll just move out of your way. You should take a photo of those, because they might be worth something one day. Oh, they would be NFTs, eh? They're mine. Don't take photos. They, um, the, the blue's water. And you can see the gemstone in there because this one had the water flowing through it. And as the water flew, flow, flowed through it, it agitated the gem. And as it agitated the gem, all the dirt and the dust and the muck came off it. And the value of the gem was revealed. It was about the flow that revealed purpose, it revealed value. And the most important thing you can see there is it's green. Yeah, that's right. It revealed the value of it, but it was the water. And the thing is, when living water is flowing, it will reveal something really special, but it might agitate you along the way. I guess if I've got some prophetic insight tonight, it would be this. If you've been coming to church for a while and you're not agitated, I wonder whether you're actually experiencing living water or holy water. Because the holy water is still, the living water is moving. The living water will agitate you. The living water brings life to you. The living water is moving. It's like if you just close your eyes and picture yourself, well, like, picture yourself lying in a lake for a minute. You just sit there and sort of float or sink. That's great. But if you're lying in a stream and the water's coming and it's going over you, and that, it's amazing. But it knocks you around a little bit and it's beautiful. So holy water, I, hadn't, I didn't know much about holy water, so I did a little bit of study on it. And holy water is regarded by many as a, as a sacrament and it represents Jesus' baptism. It said that uh, John's baptism was the baptism of sin, for cleansing of sin, we know that. And when John baptised Jesus, Jesus was sinless. So what happened was the Jordan that he was baptised in became holy or blessed. That's what they say. And out of that, this tradition is kind of grown where they use holy water and, and, and they make it and they bless it. And you can, it doesn't even have to be all holy. You can, as long as it's had whatever they do to it, done to it, can be a little bit, you can add normal water to it and it's still holy. Amazing. Amazing. And, and, and you can probably sell it. Amazing. Incredible. And, um, and so that, that's kind of holy water. But from my perspective, in the prophetic 
picture I saw, the holy water represents religion or even legalism. It's talking about tradition that it seems to have made something out of nothing. And as I understand it, there's no references to holy water in the New Testament at all. In the um, prophetic picture, I think the holy water represents traditions and forms. Now, just let me put a caveat around those. There's nothing wrong necessarily with forms or traditions. But it's about man-made stuff that's made to look like something, made to look godly. But it has no power and it has no relevance. So the neck outcome is that there's no transformation. It doesn't bring any life. And as we know, where there's an absence of life, there's death. And it doesn't bring any power. But when I read the Gospels, the Gospel is a Gospel of power. Not of pomp. Not of ritual, but of power. And holy water doesn't provide that. On the other hand, living water that flows is very biblical. We see it in the Old Testament. We see it in the New Testament. A couple of times only in the Old Testament. Jeremiah Jeremiah 2.13 says this, For my people have done two evil things. They have abandoned me, the fountain of living water, and they have dug for themselves cracked cisterns that can hold no water at all. Jeremiah 17.13 says, O Lord, the hope of Israel, all who turn away from you will be disgraced. They will be buried in the dust of the earth, and they will be abandoned. Uh, they have, sorry, for they have abandoned the Lord, the fountain of living water. So, who is the fountain of living water? God. God is the fountain of living water. The Father, actually, is the fountain of living water. Out of Him, living water flows. The mistake the Israelites made was they abandoned him. Not only did they abandon him, but they took the things that God provides and they tried to find them in man-made things that could not contain or hold or even substitute the things that God had done, the things that God had made. Anyone see yourself there? Because I think we all do this from time to time. I think all of us substitute God for something man-made. Sometimes it just seems easier, but it's never as satisfying. It's never going to fill you up. Only living water will actually fill you up because you're designed to be in relationship with God. You're made in such a way that you cannot be fully satisfied in life unless you are in relationship with God. It's just the way you've made. Just like a car engine will not keep going if I don't put oil in it. Maybe electric one will. I don't know. But... A real car wouldn't keep going. <laughs> Matthew, Mark uh, talk about living water in the New Testament. John talks about living water. John chapter 4, you know, the Samaritan at the well, the Samaritan woman at the well. And Jesus says to her, if you knew who you were talking to, you would ask for living water. And I would give it to you and you would never thirst again. Amazing. Incredible. And then you come to John 7, which is where I want to... Um, uh, just just land for a minute. What, this is amazing. I, I prepared this, um, you know, as you do beforehand. And um, this morning in the prayer meeting, when we were just praying for the day that God would move, that God would touch your lives today, uh, Josh started the prayer meeting by this exact same scripture. Wow. I thought, oh wow, that's like freaky. <laughs> do, 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 do. God, God's talking. And then and, and Jan showed me uh, was the verse of the day in her Bible app today. It was even a video about it. So. I think God might be speaking. It says this, On the last day, the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds. The climax of the festival, the festival was the festival of shelters. And it went for a week, 
And part of the festival, every day they did a ceremony of water and they would pour water out over the altar. Except on the last day, they would do it seven times. Same thing. So the context is there's water everywhere, okay? It's not like it's dry. There's water everywhere. They've tipped it out seven times. At the climax of the festival, Jesus stood and shouted to the crowds, Anyone who is thirsty may come to me. Anyone who believes in me may come and drink. For the scriptures declare, rivers of living water will flow from his heart. And when he said living water, he was speaking of the Spirit who would be given to everyone who believed in him. But the Spirit had not yet been given because Jesus had not entered his glory. When the crowds heard him say that, some of them declared, surely this is the prophet we've been expecting. Others said, he is the Messiah. Still others said, but he can't be. I love that. I love the fact that when Jesus is prophesying here about the Holy Spirit, he says rivers of living water. He didn't say a trickle. He didn't say a drop. He didn't say a bucket. He didn't say half a cup. He said rivers. I don't know. I just picture straight away the, the, the Waikato River. Hey, there's plenty of water in there. Rivers. I just see this endless supply of water being poured out. And Jesus goes, rivers of living water will be poured out. And who will they be poured out? They'll be poured out on every person who believes in him. Wow, that's me. That's most of us. That's amazing. That's an incredible thing. Living water, the holy water, it's when the Holy Spirit comes into our lives, when we give our lives to God, the Father, through Christ, it's what Jesus did, it's why he went to the cross, to connect us to the Father. When we give our lives to him, the Holy Spirit comes, he, he takes residence in us, which, and he affirms or confirms our relationship with him. He helps us pray, he reveals truth, he helps us overcome our old nature, he gives us power to witness, and, and he just transforms us. It's not an instant work, often, but it's a lifelong work, and it's a good work. Can you bring that? Yeah, thank you, Mia, that's great. The Holy Spirit, rivers of living water, they flow. And when they flow through us, it causes transformation to take place. And it reveals our true value and purpose because the truth is, every one of us is like a gem. Precious, valuable, purposed, unique. If you're wondering about your worth tonight, if you read the Scriptures, the more you read it, the more you realise every single one of us, you, have incredible value. That's a, that's a message, I think, that we really need to own, particularly in this um, age where mental health issues have just gone rampant. And part of that, and part of the root of that, is a lack of identity. But the thing is, you're God's. He created you. He designed you. You're His. And He loves you to bits. And you're of incredible value to him. And you're a bit different to me. You should be grateful of that. Because one of me is more than enough. More than enough. You are you. And you're unique. And you're loved. And you're embraced. And God just, you're the apple of his eye. Isn't that amazing? I think so. I think it's incredible. So here's the bottom line. We all need fresh, flowing, living water to live the life of faith we've been called to live.